0: Hey, this is Jared Mursky and this is another episode of Rebranding Cannabis. We have uh, an, amazing, an amazing woman, Sue Taylor, AKA Mama Sue, um, who is not only an amazing woman, mother, advocate, teacher, and pioneer, but she's also the CEO and founder of The Pharmacy uh, and is also the first and only African-American woman to own and operate a dispensary in Berkeley. This is Rebranding Cannabis. I'm your host, Jared Mursky, and you're listening to the show that helps the industry grow. Hear from industry titans, thought leaders, and the up-and-coming founders of this multi-billion dollar industry. Presented by Wick and Mortar. Uh, Sue lives her life through spirituality and meditation, which is how she also discovered holistic living and the vision for a pharmaceutically free uh, lifestyle. Not only for herself, but for others. This ultimately led Sue to educate and advocate for elders, teaching them the basics of cannabis while promoting the use of this natural remedy instead of pharmaceutical drugs. Sue is uh, extremely sought out and has been featured in Forbes, Sway's Morning Show, CBS, uh, gosh, California Health Report, Wall Street Journal, and so much more. Sue's mission is to continue to educate on a global level uh, to further destigmatize the use of cannabis. And uh, Sue, welcome to Rebranding Cannabis. Thank you so much for being a part of my show.
1: Thank you ever so much, Jared. It's awesome to be here. It's, um, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, where,
0: are you, where are you at right now?
1: I'm in um, Burlingame, California, uh, bringing this um, recording to you all. Uh, it's a, it's <laughs> a, um, I'm doing what they call a staycation. I don't live very far away. Uh, we're on uh, a little vacation, and you don't have to get on an airplane to go. We're just by the water.
0: Got to love that.
1: <laughs> so,
0: so, Sue, you, you've accomplished uh, quite a bit in, in your life. And you know, I think for a lot of people, um, now knowing what you do, they probably have a lot of questions, much like myself. How did you start? Are you a cannabis consumer yourself? Um, You know, what exactly was it that enlightened you to, you know, reach a path towards, you know, using cannabis and cannabinoids as an alternative to pharmaceuticals, given you're a Catholic woman and this was something that was never, never a part of your life. This was like, this was a drug as far as you were
2: concerned then, right?
1: I tell you, um, Jarrett, um, Twelve years ago, if anyone had said to me that I would be an advocate for uh, for cannabis, uh, I would have said, "Oh, you've been smoking too much, baby," because <laughs> I never ever would have um, would have thought I would I would be at this place. And the journey has been um, it's been quite incredible because i've learned so much through the process i i um uh as you know i was a, a catholic school principal you know the DIR program and all all of that stuff and i initially got into the um uh what cost caused, caused, what got my attention to it was my son who uh you know had never been in trouble you know college all all of that all, all of that stuff, business owner, when he calls me tell, telling me uh, he wants, he says, Mom, I know how you can get your um, your holistic center you've always wanted. And so I said, oh, well, i get a phone call from him. I'm in Georgia at the time. Uh, and I said, how? And he says, oh, he said, you know what, Mom, you know what all that meditation stuff you like and yoga and Reiki and all that? I said, yes. He said, well, it would be funded by a cannabis dispensary. I said a cannabis dispensary. <laughs> I said you talking about that marijuana stuff? Yes, mom. Yes, <laughs> yes, mom. I'm learning. It's a healing medicine, and uh, your your entire holistic center could be funded with that. So I said, okay, all right. Uh, I said, where are you learning this stuff? And he says, I've been going to Amsterdam, learning all about it, mom. He said, it's a healing medicine. I said, "Well, send me everything. Send me what they're telling you. Send me the information." And so this is the honest God's truth. I hung up the phone. I sat down. I said, "Okay, God, where did I go wrong? Sent this boy to Catholic school all his life and the college, and now he calls and tells me he wants to sell weed. Where did I go wrong?" I said, "I haven't lost him the drugs in all this time, and I'm certainly not going to." losing now within two weeks i had packed two bags was on an airplane coming to save him from drugs and i did not go back to my home in georgia for 10 years 10 years (laughs) that's how involved i got and through that journey you see that's why i know this journey for all of us is divinely inspired because the universe used my son to pull me in. Nobody else could have done it, no one. He pulled me in because I thought to save him from drugs. And what I've learned in the process is just unbelievable. I became the trusted face of medical cannabis. and. It has mm-hmm. propelled my journey to work it with the senior population. And there's an added component to the, to the senior population that was just brought to me a couple days ago by my brother. He said, why are you so diligent? You always say Jamal uh, got you into the, the industry, but the senior aspect, he said, why were you so diligently? Because I've been diligently at it, traveling all over the United States, taking every magazine that would come to me wanting a story—Bloomberg, Forbes, all of them. I—it I, was day and night for me. And you know what it was, Jared? And it didn't dawn on I me. Mean, you know, this pandemic got everybody reflecting on their life, and and uh, and and seeing where they're going and where they've been. What has happened is I had a girlfriend. Um, she was my friend since eighth grade, my best girlfriend in the world that died from cancer. She had pancreatic, pa- pancreatic cancer. And I visited her every day in the hospital. And I came to her, I said, I was working, I just began working in the cannabis dispensary, uh, I mean, cannabis um, arena. I said, I said, Sonia, I said, I, need, I, said, I think you should try cannabis. I think you should try cannabis. It could help. And you know what she said to me? Now this is a, a girl I grew up What's with through college and everything. This is what she said to me. Now she smoked weed all the time. I didn't. She said, oh, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> smoke a little herb. I'll be right back. I said, okay. She says to me, no, I'm not gonna try it. this in the hospital. I'm not gonna try. Um, I'm not gonna try that. I don't want those drugs in my system what she said to me. So from that day, my job became, with the help of Stephen D'Angelo, to help eliminate the stigma that surrounded cannabis. Now that's what I do.
0: Now let's go back a bit because you mentioned a program that you were involved with called D.A.R.E. We've all heard of it. It was something that uh, failed miserably. Um, Why do you think that failed so bad as it relates and pertains to, well, helping people become more aware of drugs, period? From what I understand, it only encouraged kids to try drugs sooner, which is, from what I understand, also the reason why they decided to discontinue that program. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. The D.A.R.E. program did not work. It did not work. And it was, uh, t- the fight against it really just turned people off. The kids just wasn't buying it. Plus it was mostly uh, African-Americans that were being incarcerated, people of color. It just wasn't, it wa- wasn't working at all. So they discontinued it. And, but I was an advocate of it. We had, um, uh, the police would come in at least once a month. Uh, it just It just did not work.
0: Yeah. And I know you're working close with Steve. Um, Steve's a good friend as well. And, you know, I, I know that he's got a, a really, really strong um, nonprofit project. He's been uh, working on for a while now, the Last Prisoner Project. Um, I know that you're also involved in that. And, uh, you know, you've played a role in, you know, helping lobby um, a few things. Can you talk, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, as it pertains to last prisoner project and and kind of your your background.
1: Now uh, I haven't done so much with Steve about the the, the prison program.
0: Okay. Okay. I,
1: I haven't. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not a part of that. So I, I can't. I can't speak to that. But uh, I know that I will at some point because it's something that uh, I would be interested in, in, in doing. We just haven't gotten to that, and. Uh, uh, I just did a podcast with him a week from yesterday. But um, but uh, we mentioned it slightly, and he said we would revisit that. Good.
0: Well, I think, it's a, I think it's an amazing program, and it sounds like you're obviously a huge advocate for prison reform. So yes, what, what are you doing in, in, in that regard, uh, and, and what can you tell us about the problem that the cannabis industry currently faces as it relates to, uh, you know, um, Diversity in you know the industry.
1: Well, one good thing is that with Black Lives Matter, there's a lot of um, attention and uh, and help that that uh, and, and highlights that's being brought into the disproportionate um, incarceration of people of color, mainly African American, you know, African American males, and so. One of the things that uh, that we do at, at Pharmacy Berkeley when um, people of color, African Americans, want help, we, we, we help them through the process mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of of giving them giving them knowledge about it. But as far as the the overall uh, um, aspects of it, I I really do think uh, now the equity program. Now you know we're not we weren't equity. Uh, we didn't get our our uh, permit through the. Equ- and an equity mm-hmm. program, uh, we we did it uh, with our family's money. Um, uh, what does it take to do forms. something like that? I'm what sorry, it say it again.
0: I said, what does it take to do something like that? To to create a course for an actual college and and have that approved as a as an ongoing regimen?
1: Uh you mean with the city of uh, the city council of Berkeley? Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the, yeah. this the th- this was the city. Uh, yeah, the, this was. Um, uh the cannabis commission of berkeley Mm. they had already had three cannabis dispensaries in berkeley and uh they were going to open it up to one more one more applicant and so they were in the process they wanted some formal written regulation and so once a month uh we would go in and, and it was people whoever wanted to to come in we would go in and give input on what should be in place and we did that for over two two years, we would go and help with that process, and uh, it's in place today where we have uh, uh, regulations for Berkeley, and we were a part of that.
0: Now, let's kind of rewind a little bit because I think a huge part of what's made you successful today is also perhaps what you've learned in the past. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've learned in the past that you've now been able to apply to the? Cannabis industry as well as your position in the space because you're you're quite the thought yeah. leader and pioneer so
1: well then okay and, and and this is a message for for people who wanting to get into the industry and don't have a clue of, of <laughs> how, how to do it this This is what I did I'm, I was an educator right I was a teacher, then I was a principal, so I educated so My profession as educator just went into educating people about cannabis, whether it's the city council, the directors and administrators of senior care facilities, or going out and doing presentations um, across the country about about cannabis. So, if you're wanting to get into the industry, the best way to do it is look at what you're doing now. And find a need in the cannabis industry and do that. That. I educated. I educated. um, That was my profession. I was an educator. Well, I'm an educator now, but I'm not educating students and teachers. I'm educating uh, administrators and seniors and people who want to learn about cannabis. And so you just switch it up. You just switch it up. You look at what you're doing now, or if you if you hate what you're doing now, that's even more reason to look into the cannabis industry and do something that you love. I, I agree. had no idea I, I would love. To. You see, that's that's where that's why they have so many lawyers and doctors who are miserable because they went into those professions because it was prestigious, and they and they come from a family of that history. But the key, the key. Jared is to find out where your love and passion is, and that's how you make your money. That's Amen. where your energy goes. Amen. That's where your energy goes, and you'll be supported. You'll be supported by by the universe. And they say, "Well, I don't know what that is." This is the biggest clue of of what it is. If you don't know, if if you don't know what it is, is what comes easy to you. You take it for granted. till you. You know, like I have a, a friend. She's an interior decorator. I said, God, I said, I said, you you doing that that nowhere job? Why don't you do? Why don't you go into interior decorating? Oh, nobody would pay me for that. It's too easy. No, that's where your talents lie. Mm-hmm. Those, like th- your second language. Those talents, exactly, those talents were give, given to you. Don't take them for granted. It comes easy. Most people are afraid of public speaking. They it's it's number two. Death is. It, they say, "What do you fear most in life?" They say death, and number two is public speaking. Well, I love it. I, I love, love it, it. too. <laughs> I get butterflies at first, but then then it just flows. You you go to the area of least resistance, and only person that knows is you. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't have a clue, ask your closest friend. Say, you know, oh, what do you think I'm good at? You know, what do you think? My, my best qualities are a trusted friend. Yep. You know, but yep. you'll do you'll do great if you're passionate about it and if it comes from your heart.
0: Yeah, I always I always hear you know don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from.
1: I say that's great. You know,
0: so it's it's always important to make sure that the people you have in your sphere are also positive influences because you know it just takes one toxic person. To destroy everything and that's the last thing any of us need in our lives is is negativity and so i love that because for me when i started wick and mortar 12 years ago we were the very first cannabis focused branding and marketing firm in the world Hmm. and you know i i looked at i looked at you know uh what it was that i was passionate about which was you know of course graphic design web design branding and marketing but that wasn't really focused on a niche area nor did i feel like the work i was doing was really making a difference and so when i decided to get into the cannabis industry my goal was to quite literally rebrand it it's funny how close your mission statement is to mine mine's to change the perception of cannabis on a global level one brand at a time Hmm. and my mission has been that since day one which is why i've made uh you know the services that we provide at wick and mortar affordable so that we can work with as many brands and companies as possible but this podcast isn't about me it's about you and what I love is the fact that you are a voice for the people. And um, there aren't enough people like you that are willing to stand up and fight uh, for what they believe in, and, and for, more importantly, what is right. Um, what are some of the challenges you've had during the journey of this uh, quote-unquote fight? Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've heard uh, numbers and statistics before as it relates to the number of African Americans incarcerated for cannabis, but can you speak to me a little bit about a little bit about that uh, and why let, this problem is happening in the first place?
1: Well, let let me tell you how I got to be the the trusted face of medical cannabis. It, it, this was my son's idea, not mine.
2: That's it was my
1: son's idea. I came in here to I came in to save him from drugs, right? To pull him out. And so when we first got, got started, we started working with, with Stephen D'Angelo because he had a consulting company at that time. And when we, mm-hmm. I, we'd have to go speak, my son said, Mom, he said, you're going to you're gonna have to take the lead. You, you're going to have to do the talking. I said, why? I'm scared of this shit, you know, which I was. And so um, <laughs> he said, "Ma," he said, I'm an African-American male. He said, they'll put me in jail. They'll incarcerate me. Uh, but he said, you, on the other hand, you know, you're older and uh, and you're a woman. He said, he said, you know, Mom, the rules just aren't the same for us. He said, we still, that's why it took us so long, Jared. It took us over 10 years to get a legal permit when everybody else, especially the white community they jamal had friends say man what's taking you guys so long just throw open just that th- those were the words just throw open uh um we've been we've been open for three months uh uh we'd have made millions of dollars we don't have a permit they just close us up they just take our weed and close us up then we go to the next city jamal said yeah but i would be in prison for years if that happened to me and that was the reality of it. So." we had to do it right we had to have a we had to do whatever it took i lobbied those um berkeley city councilman myself all of those other big applicants for that permit they had a lot of money they were just they, they would they would they would they would pay lobbyists i i lobbied them one by one let them know to know who i was that i was a reputable uh uh woman of the community you know I, I i have a lot of credibility and uh and told them my vision and mission of what i wanted to do to each and every one of them including the mayor but i had to do that you know as part of being an african-american you have to you have to you have to go beyond because the rules just are not the same for us especially in the cannabis industry mm-hmm. especially in the cannabis industry. And that definitely needs to be changed. It needs to be changed. And um, even in the black community with, with Black Loves Matter, what, what's gonna happen as um, African-Americans have businesses, everybody, the, especially the African-American community, we have to patronize those businesses uh everybody has to patronize him so because Jerry, we don't have a like a black community the asians have a have a community uh almost in every city the hispanics have a have a community almost in in every city um african american we just have uh, uh communities where we live we don't have uh like areas say oh yeah, I'm going to chinatown for this you know I'm going on mm-hmm. Fruitville, you know where the um you know where all the uh, Hispanic businesses are, we don't have a place where all the African- American mm-hmm. businesses are. we just don't have that, so in order for the, the really the black community to to survive, we really have to put effort into that those communities into those businesses into those businesses do and you, uh, go ahead
0: do you, so do you think that people just assume that because the African American culture and this isn't everyone but The African American culture is so much like, I mean, you guys are Americans. I mean, plain and simple. I'm not all African Americans because they live in other places, but African American people that live in the United States um, eat the same food we eat. I mean, you, you. What I'm trying to get at is, is, these communities, you know, the the Asian communities and the Hispanic communities have they've all migrated here. Right, and so they've built these communities, as you mentioned, "quote unquote," in these very specific areas. I mean, we've got a Chinatown here in Seattle as well. To your point, right? But when I look at the um, the African American culture, um, I, 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 and this is probably just me and my naivety, but I don't see um, a huge difference between what what us. White Americans do versus what African Americans do, and eat, and drink, and music, and and all of these things. Because I share the same, uh, I share the same desire for the same music as the African American culture. I share the same love and passion for a lot of the same things. Is where I feel like the Asian community and the Hispanic community are so incredibly diverse in comparison to the African American and and you know I, 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 you call it. Caucasian community, um, communities or culture. So help me understand that you're an educator, so I'm just trying to understand how, how we can do that because I, I wanna help that, I wanna help, I wanna help you.
1: Well, we, we, you absolutely correct, joe We're so much alike um, because we, we were Americanized, you know, uh, f- f- from the way we were brought here you know uh, on the ships on the slave ship uh you know that's you know that, that's that culture the Caucasian culture is what is is what we know uh and so we've lost right. a lot of our uh of our heritage mm. um you know and uh a lot of uh a, a lot of people they relate to oh my heritage is going down south because a lot of people were born down south you know and, and and so our um our 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 true heritage with uh with uh uh with Africa or uh mm-hmm. or Ethiopia, all of that, that was all cut off from us. So what's left is 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 what was given to us you know by the Caucasians, even the food, say uh, uh, they say soul food. Okay, oh, I'm gonna get some soul food. Well, you know what soul food is? When when um, when they had the slaves, the they would take the um, the the guts and the chitlins from from the pig, which they didn't eat, and throw it threw it out. And then the 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 slaves who will work the farmers work the farms would go clean that stuff up, and that became uh, uh, the meal. The 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 African Americans meal, hog head cheese, uh chitlins
0: and grits um, and uh, a lot know, of pork greens and, and all of that and yeah.
1: all of that yep all of that all of, all of that. And so so that became it. And rather than um uh, when I go online and look at authentic uh, African dishes or uh Ethiopian dishes uh you know and you know th- those kinds of foods are 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 good uh, in moderation. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons why uh, my health is so good is that I don't eat that, those on a regular basis. You know I I don't eat that that way uh, because a lot of times it's is a lot of a lot lot of grease and and high in and cholesterol, and high in sodium. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of times African American diet you know, stems from, from way back then. But education is the key to all of it, uh, Jared. It's just being educated about um, about how you wanna live and where you wanna live and what you wanna incorporate. Now those things, I'll eat, well, some, some of those things, not, not a lot of them, I just won't touch, but mm-hmm. I let myself eat like greens and fried chicken. I'll eat that on an occasion, but it's definitely not a regular part of my diet. Simple things like that.
2: Um Is fried chicken soul food? Re-
1: it, yes. Okay. Uh okay it's it's part of so it's yes, it's a it's considered uh uh, uh soul food. Now you remember when uh uh do you recall listening to this when when Tiger Wood when he when oh, he God. when he won. Well you remember that and they say <laughs> one of the announcers, I think he lost his job. He said, "Oh God!" He said, "Now we're gonna. I guess they're gonna have uh, fried chicken on the greens." <laughs> you know that was a that was a racist comment because you know black people known to eat fried chicken. You know it's it's a joke. You know, but uh, just uh, just things of that nature. Um, we just all have a lot of uh, learning and awareness that that we have to do. You know, including myself mm-hmm. uh, about it because. You know, I grew up in this culture and uh, a lot of things I had to rethink, you know. Uh, so it's, uh, um, it's, I'm glad we're having this conversation because the more, you know, we talk about these kinds of things, the the more it brings awareness to, to see, you know, how, you know, cause I, I, I self reflect. I say, okay, now how am I doing with this? I never thought of it that way. I said, oh my God, I've been doing that. That is not right, you know, judging. Yep and so um it's um it's it's all good um and and too, with the cannabis uh industry in um in helping uh people of color and even people who are still afraid of using the cannabis, it's all about education education education, education. the more you educate people about whatever it is they're afraid of it it helps to eliminate that fear if they learn. When I'm doing a presentation, uh, especially for administrators of, uh, of healthcare facilities um, or for people who, especially the African-American community, community they're, they're my biggest obstacle. They're, they're the ones that's most resi- resistant to hearing anything about the cannabis. I don't try to convince anybody of anything ever. Those who are ready for it will get it. I just go in and I educate. I just do what I do. And those who are ready for it will ask more questions and come and find out more. What kind of I don't try what to What kind convince. of
0: people are you educating and what is it that you're actually advocating? I know, it's, I know that you focus, obviously, and we, we touched on this in the, the very, very beginning, but um, you advocate for the elderly, um, provide a voice. There aren't many voices, I should say. Um, And I think that, and I love this conversation because when I think of um, uh, what I don't know and what I should know in order to better market the brands that we create from both the CBD sector as well as the cannabis sector as it pertains to the African-American demographic as well as the elderly, right? So we've touched on the African-American demographic as it pertains to a number of different things as well as cannabis, but let's move to the elderly focus for you and, and talk a little bit about the gap between what brands are missing and what they should be taking advantage of, um, respectfully speaking, of course, as it pertains to you know, catering to this, this you know, demographic of people.
1: To, to the eldest. To, to, yeah. to the elders. Um, now, Jared, I think I've mentioned to you before that
0: I'm sure you have (laughs) one, one,
1: one of my um one of my goals and vision and mission is to bring respect and dignity back to our elders um because in 2000 in the 2018 census it was reported that in 10 to 15 years the elder population will be the largest for the first time in the history of the country. So that means Social Security probably go away. Uh people won't, retirement age will not be 65, it'll be more like 75. But more mm-hmm. importantly, more importantly, if anybody, if anybody is gonna save this country, it's gonna be the wisdom of elders and the youthfulness of these young people working together to build communities build governments and to build a better world is that combination the elders wisdom and the energy and the know-how of you young people working together uh in offices on projects um in anything that needs to be accomplished and the because of the pharmaceutical approach to healthcare, our elders, most of them are in fogs. They're in pain and they're on from ten to fifteen to twenty pills a day. A day. And they're still not getting any better. That's why there's such a, a big um a big um number of seniors using cannabis now. It's because they know their mm-hmm. what they've been doing and they're still not getting any better. So they're trying alternatives. And cannabis has been one of them. Yep. And that's where I've been able to put my foot in the door. I, I can get in because I'm well spoken, I'm well educated, and I'm their age. If you want if you wanna um promote any brand mm-hmm. or on cannabis anything, you have to send in the right messenger. You have to you can't send in um Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, a 20 or 30 year old. The grandkids. Can't send me in. No, you can't go. You got to send me. <laughs> and <laughs> you have to send me. <laughs> uh, if you want to convince your, your grandma, you can't do it. But, I, but, but I, can, I can talk to her where she would listen. And that has been my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I speak, people listen. And you know why they listen, Jared? It's because I genuinely care. I don't have to know you. I
0: can tell. It
1: doesn't matter. I, if I, let me tell you this. I made a conscious decision a long time ago that I wanted to make this better, the world a better place because I live. I just didn't want to exist in this world because I live. And this cannabis stuff, I didn't choose it. It chose me. It chose me. (laughs) And so with that being said, I could not go, I couldn't make my transition and go to the other side knowing that this plant is a healing medicine and I wouldn't be an advocate for it and, and people know and respect me. I had to, it, it, it's, it's part of my innate ability. I know for yep. a fact, Jared, it's why I came onto this earth. It's why I came, is to do this work and how you know the work that you're doing is right, is how you feel inside. That's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. It's how it feels from within. It's how it feels within. Now, another thing that I do, I don't know if you're aware of it. I'm also one of the few people who's certified by the state of California to teach the cannabis program and give continuing education units to nurses, to uh, administrators and directors of healthcare facilities. They need... They need no uh, shit. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm one of the few. I did not know that. Yeah, I did not I'm, know that. I'm, I knew
0: you are an educator, obviously, but the yeah. depth of that, I had no idea.
1: Yeah, and, and see um, uh, how I, I got into it. I, I took a class uh, years ago to find out about it, and it, it, it wasn't professionally run, and uh, the lady forgot about me. And and it forgot got me in the office while I was taking the test. So I said, I'm gonna get my own certification. So I developed a program <laughs> of uh because and I'm the perfect person because I didn't know anything about cannabis. So I said, Okay, this is what they need to know. You know, they mm-hmm. did de- they need to know the basics about the cannabis, what it does and it does not do. Just simple stuff, you know, and so I geared my so when they take my class at Pharmacy Berkeley, when they take my class um, to get the the credits, I have a two hour class and a four hour class, and they could get those units that's pertaining to what they need. And uh, I, I put up the the best information, uh, and it's a, I have a presentation to help them mm-hmm. gear. Because let me tell you this: those administrators of those facilities that's dealing with, um, especially with the aging population. They see those mm-hmm. people in pain, and it hurts them, and they can't do it, and they know those, those pills that they're taking is not working. So, so yeah. they want to be able to go to the, to the um, adult children of those people in the elder uh, communities that are there to say, look, maybe you should try this, because this is what I've learned. You see, they, they love those, the people that are in those facilities, so they want help for them and there's not many people who mm-hmm. can come in and just give them information that they trust because a lot of people in the industry are young people. And so if they when they find somebody that's older uh uh that has some some credibility they, they'll listen. They'll listen. And so
0: no. Let's talk about something as it pertains to science a bit only because this is obviously important if we are, you know, together going to you know, truly change the perception of cannabis and, and rebrand this industry. We have to be mindful of the fact that you know, when, when people are consuming cannabis, are they actually getting 100% of the plant's original profile, thus the effects that are intended, right? From a medicinal perspective or for just the sheer euphoria perspective. Um, but uh, for medical patients, Um, And for physicians, if a physician is going to recommend, you know, a a patient um, cannabis, they have to be able to prove without a doubt that the method of which they consume that cannabis is going to result in the desired outcome of that strain specificity. But if through decarboxylation, you know, when you burn, smoke a joint or light a bowl, if you're losing, you know. 70 to 80 percent of the plant's original profile are you ever really getting the true effects from the medicine as it was originally intended no so like how do we how do we help i, I mean there are obviously you know technologies out there that have found a way to um, fix that through capsules but what is your input or experience on you know, cannabis as a medicine from the scientific perspective. Um, yeah.
1: Well I I I don't know much about No I, I throw you a
0: curveball. I know I threw you a curveball, but
1: Yeah, yeah. I d I don't know much about um the the scientific uh all, all that what what they you know because they they say to me, Well, the FDA hasn't approved it so it's not you know, I, so I'm not I'm not gonna touch it. And so mm-hmm. my, my take on it, I know that cannabis, uh, uh, the endocannabinoid, okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we have, this is what I, I explained. We have endocannabinoids. We, were, we have an endocannabinoid system in our body. We were born with mm-hmm. it. The endocannabinoid system uh, was made, was, was put in our system Uh, to cause balance in the body back in the day before all the pollutions before all the crappy foods that we're eating all the pesticides and all of that if the body had any kind of discord in it the endocannabinoids would go to work on healing the body Mm self-healing the body it would do it it was automatic but today because of the pollutants all the crap that's in our food for rapid growth to gain money and all of that. Endocannabinoids cannot do its job. Cannabis works because it has endocannabinoids. If you ingest cannabis, now I'm not talking about the cannabis you buy at CVS. Some good homegrown, uh, sun grown, good good weed as you guys would say grown the patient ingests that it teams up with our natural endocannabinoids and cause healing in the body that's why the cancer cells stops growing that's why the tumors shrink you see because Mm -hmm. if if you have that combination and and that's what. And then one one of your questions that you had sent to me is, where do we go? Where do we go with this cannabis? We're going to have to be very mindful, Jared, because once the uh, the pharmaceutical companies and the Coca Cola companies get into the business of cannabis, people will go for the cheapest thing, and uh, uh, because they learn how to cut costs, but they cut it, and it's it's, it's not just good cannabis. <coughs> you know we have yeah. We, yeah we have to keep it we have to keep our plant pure sacred sacred mm-hmm. we have to because it's a spiritual plant you know you it can't is. you can't put um, you, you can't put junk in with it you know it just has to be some you have to know where you get it from you have to mm-hmm. you have to know where you get your cannabis from and when I
0: think that also when I think that also depends and this is what makes the cannabis industry so incredibly complex and beautiful and that's that and unique and that's that it's like I think the only product in the world that I've ever seen that or can think of uh, and I just smoked a joint so I can't think of much right now but um, <laughs> it's it's the only thing that I can think of that you know caters to both the medical recreational and uh, a wellness, uh, you know, market segments. So, you know, generally where you see products with you know packaging languages like wine and beer or coffee. You know, they all share this you know universal packaging language. You know, coffee's got deep roast, you know, morning blend, and so forth. Beer, they have their language, and every brand that comes into those categories embodies that vernacular and then develops products along with it which are pretty much their own variations right their own brewing styles if you will and the cannabis industry doesn't have that it it did we were using indica sativa and hybrid but we realized later on that everything was really a hybrid and really nothing is sativa dominant or actually even indica dominant it's really based on each person's individual interpretation as to how they feel but if you smoke too much, it becomes a sedative. If you don't smoke enough, you might not get high depending on your tolerance. So it's like you know there's a huge um, uh, you know conversation around dosage and you know how much should I consume and yeah, I mean at the end of the day that that to me has been you know really fascinating as a as a as a problem to solve as we You know, try to rebrand cannabis. You know, we're we're inventing new ideas, making conjectures and suggestions as they relate to previous experiences that we've had as well as witnessed others. And so, you know, I wonder when we're going to get to a point where we can say for certainty and without a doubt that this strain will do exactly this, and this is how effective it will be based on this amount of dose, based on this dosage amount. how do you feel this translates across the elderly community when I feel like the elderly community sometimes is also the most difficult to convince because they're always, not always, most are very stuck in their ways. You, on the other hand, have been a shepherd of information as that transition from cannabis into into the elderly community. How have you been able to communicate that? Was that just through your own personal experiences with the plant or just tell me
2: about that?
1: Well, one thing about, yeah, I, working with elders, uh, I don't recommend edibles too much. Number one, they're used to taking pills you see, they're pill people because because it's a and and I, Jared. I just have to make this distinction. I'm not a doctor, Please. and um, the pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals have its place, but pharmaceutical drugs were made for temporary use, not to manage your health. You see the difference. Yep. People they'll 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 they go to the doctor for immediate ailment and. Then you're supposed to figure out on your own some natural ways to get off those drugs. Then 10 years later, if you find yourself on those same pills, something's wrong. But if you, you're in a car accident, okay, if I get into a car accident, I don't want any cannabis for anesthesia. You give me them drugs that you have, uh, uh, them pharmaceutical drugs to keep me under whatever those are. You see, mm-hmm. the problem is don't, I, I, I shouldn't be on them 10 years from now you get you get off of those drugs you see so
0: well yeah well but with cannabis though like if you had skin cancer for example and you didn't want to consume cannabis um you know you didn't want to ingest it you didn't you know you didn't want to smoke it yeah um you know cbd rather for that yeah. matter too as well but yeah. if you you know you, you you know you use it for your skin you know you, you're using you're using it as a medicinal product then at that point but if Uh, You know, you look at like Ricky Williams brand, um, Real Wellness, you know, he's when he left the NFL, he became an herbalist. And you look at, you know, all of his different remedies as they pertain to solving different things from immunity balance to this or that. And and so like then you have then you have that wellness side, which to your point is like almost nutraceutical um, maintenance. Right. Um, And that's like and then and then you have recreational. But it's like it, it just—it's so confusing for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Do I do I need medical? Do I need recreational? Do I need wellness? What's the difference? How do I distinguish? You know,
1: Jared. See, everybody has to know their body. You know, you know, you know it works for your body. Now, one of the reasons why I don't recommend uh, edibles like potato chips, brownies, and cookies and stuff for uh, for elders because i remember uh eating uh a a cookie that had cannabis in it well those cookies were so damn good i ate a whole bunch of them and oh my god i didn't want to touch any kind of cannabis ever again because it was such a bad experience see i don't want that to happen to the elders so i i rarely recommend who can eat one potato chip who can eat two two um, kernels of popcorn with cannabis in it who could do that you know Mm -hmm. so it's too hard to monitor now the younger generation they can and, and 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 i don't see anything wrong with this um instead of drinking uh like one of those moscow mules drink with the vodka there's a, there's a, I can't think of the name we sell it. That's there, my
0: favorite drink, by the
2: way.
1: Yeah, they say okay. That wh- is my favorite look, drink, d- by the way. How'd... There's a cannabis drink where you put a little uh, ginger beer in it, and it tastes just like that. Uh, I haven't tried it, but uh, people drink that, and and I think that's good. If you mm-hmm. if you you know if you just ingest that and just just chilling, you know, instead of straight alcohol all the time, try that. That's okay. But everything is in moderation and knowing your body when when, you know, for just to enjoy that, you know, just like you 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 in, in, enjoy uh, sharing a joy. You know, it's, it's a glass. You, you hold it in your hand and you drink it with some ice and it's, it's like the Moscow meal. That's what they told me. But uh, but for the elder population, the tinctures um, uh, works well and the, the rubs and the bombs for, for arthritis that you could just apply, the patches work, uh, things of that nature. And then they also have the mm-hmm. capsules uh, that will work. But
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: too much for um, to think about. And this is an, another thing that's key when you're working with, with the elders. You have to start low and slow. Low dosage, and you go slow, and you write it down. If, if, if it's a hus- husband and wife team, the one who's not on the cannabis is to write down uh a half hour later or 45 minutes later what the results are uh how are you feeling, feeling your pain alleviated just keep a just keep a journal uh, uh, of it but um it's it's i've worked with so many seniors that when i was working at harborside is doing the senior outreach of bringing people to, to his dispensary and at my own they say miss miss sue miss sue i'm not I'm not using my cane anymore. Miss Sue, I'm not in my wheelchair anymore. Miss Sue, I'm traveling now, I'm traveling now. It's those things that convinced me that cannabis works. It wasn't anything that mm-hmm. Jamal sent me that I read. It wasn't anything that um, I, when I Googled, it was witnessing all of those people saying that they were feeling better and doing better because they were using the cannabis in some form or fashion. Even in smoking it,
0: you should make an a journal app for the elderly. Something where you can like text or talk into it, so that way it records. So that way it records, you know, um, you know, their thoughts and feelings as they relate to you know each strain they try, so that they can start to measure, um, you know, the feelings. Now, Jared, you just proved Uh,
1: my point. I said, elders and young people working together to come up with solutions.
0: that's
1: That's what this podcast
0: is all about you know i'm i i I want to rebrand an industry you want to rebrand an industry you want to make this uh, a better place for everyone uh and more importantly you want others to feel like they've obtained the education they need and certainly deserve in order to make a you know a conscious decision as to how they'd like to integrate or if they'd like to integrate cannabis or any cannabinoid for that matter into their life um I guess, you know, at the end of the day, like, what's, you mentioned earlier, you know, what you would do or what you would suggest for people that are looking to break into the industry. But for those that are already in this industry and are building brands, you know, much like myself, uh, what are some tips and suggestions that you could suggest uh, for us um, to focus on as we're building brands for the elderly community? You said one, and that was hire you. (laughs) <laughs> to, be our avo- to be the advocate, so noted. Um, and by the way, for all of you listeners, uh, Sue Taylor is also one of our mentors uh, with our nonprofit, uh, High Grade Hope. So you can check that out at highgradehope.com. But uh, Sue, what would, you, what would you do and, and how, how would you answer that question?
1: Well, a lot of the brands that are coming out now, they don't, number one, they don't cater to the elders. They they um the brands are not for us. So when I'm doing my presentations and people want to know how they wanna get into the industry or what they should should do, I always say, please make products that get toward the aging population. You know, like like the topicals, uh, like the bombs. Mm-hmm. Think more more of those those kinds of things and, and even the tinctures but you know what because of uh, the child proof regulations the tinctures the the bottles are even hard for some seniors to, to even get into um uh, the packaging I was make sure about the, that make sure the packaging um uh, they can get into them because that's a real challenge the font type too the font type that's it, huge yes yep. yes it's um it, it it is huge um uh, that's one of the things when we're developing uh, Mama Sue Wellness products. I have three products: um, sleep relief, pain relief, and extra extra strength uh, pain relief of of my of my uh, products. And uh, Jared, most most seniors go to cannabis for two reasons: sleep and pain. And so that's why I came up with those. Uh, with the with the uh, Mama Sue Wellness the sleep formula and the pain, because those are the main things that the elderly population work with. And uh, I am going to uh, expand that to more uh, rubs and um, topicals for just to uh, apply on the on the body. But I would hope people who are in the industry now that they keep the uh, aging population in mind because if you want to know how to make some money that's where the money is is in the aging population um that's we're gonna, we're going to be the largest demographic uh cannabis help us the most because we have the most pain we you know we're the ones that are experiencing all of this and we're looking for relief and we don't well, want What about
0: I was going to say sorry sorry I didn't to interrupt but what about products that Pertain to, um, uh, you know, creating a younger you, right? Um, serums and things of that nature. I was watching a documentary and they were talking mm. about how some some gal in Europe decided that it would be a good idea to use bee venom, because what it does is it inflames the skin enough mm-hmm. um, to kind of fill in the wrinkles, and there, there are some kind of medicinal modalities attached to that. But you know, cannabis and CBD. Uh, are being used to deliver some or similar results. Um, wow! Is that something? Is that something that's important to? Yeah. Uh, the elderly community and yes. how can we how can we learn from those types of uh, those types of products?
1: Uh, well, no, I think that would I think I think I would try it uh, because of course uh, <laughs> a natural way to. Um, Uh, say to eliminate some wrinkles, you know? I mean, that's awesome, that's new. That's a real, that's another. Elders and young people coming up with ideas and natural ways.
0: Well, I'm just wondering how niche the elderly like to get, you know, like, you know, how focused are they in the purchasing decisions that they make? Because I know that depending on how old you are, if you, you know, you live in a senior care facility, you might not be making all of the decisions for yourself. You might have someone helping you make those decisions. So, you know, what kind of education can we provide to the elderly to help them become more informed as to the products that do exist and don't exist? Um, So that, like you said, you uh, and me, we can work together to create those types of brands.
1: Exactly. And uh, look, I'm 73 years old. I ride, uh, I ride, I ride, I ride, ride my, my bike five to six miles at least five times a week. I go to boot camp. I'm very active. I'm an active 73 year old, and um, uh, yes, I would develop products to help with the youthful look uh, because mm-hmm. because we need it, and I want to look naturally more youthful as I age. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, many, many elders they would gravitate to that instead of because uh, a lot of people use, and I, I look at the entertainment industry with all that plastic surgery where they look so placid, where they face just don't have any character anymore. I don't like that. And neither do I. I don't even recognize that. It's not natural
0: those, to me. It doesn't. I know. It's I, don't, like, I don't even who recognize them.
1: I, I don't. Uh, but. Um, so, boy, that would be a great industry, uh, a great product to develop. Natural ways, yeah. Maybe Ricky could come up with something like that.
0: Yeah, you know, we probably could. Uh, you know, we've got some pretty, we've got some pretty big brains over here. I think we could yeah. devise something kind of nice. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been great. I mean, that's that's some great. That's good. You have a lot of great well, ideas, yeah, you know, Jared.
0: Th- Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, I think one of the reasons why I like having people like you on the show is because, you know, I don't know everything. I'm a student and a teacher. You know, uh, a good friend of mine, Lyle, once told me the teacher will appear when the student is ready. That's right. It means you can learn anything from anybody at any time. You just have to be willing to listen. And my mom, you know what she says to me? She says, Jared, you know, my God gave you two ears and one mouth. Because you should be doing twice as much listening as you should be talking.
1: <laughs> that's great. That, that's yep. a good one. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I think for all of us, no matter the age. Gotta no love
0: matter- the mom, right? Gotta love the mom. Yeah. So uh, you know, one thing that um, you know I, I didn't mention, and this was something that you had kind of talked about earlier, is you know you're an educator at uh, you know um, these facilities where nurses are actually trained to do their job in both the uh, what, what you might call what the what would you call it the western medicine
2: mm-hmm.
0: sector is that mm-hmm. what you'd call that right and then and then they've got you know obviously these other naturopathic modalities um, my my stepmother patty she is a she's an educator at a facility that basically teaches nurses how to do what they do, get them certified in, over in California. I'd love to make the introduction to the both of you uh, to see if there's an opportunity to help create more awareness in education where she's providing it currently.
2: Mm.
0: Is that something that you could develop as a program for other facilities or other, I don't know, what do you call them, education centers, schools? Uh, it's, it's not a college No. per se.
1: No. Um now um the
0: certification
1: it's a it's a, it's a certif- now for the administrators of of the and, and the nurses uh they have to have it's, it's twelve or sixteen credits a year to keep their certification active and so they have to take classes to learn something it doesn't matter what and uh m- many of them are coming because they want to learn about cannabis, so they have to get, uh, um, they have to come to a certified, take a certified c- class to get those certifications. And so uh, Got it. So somebody has to d- develop a program uh, so, so that could happen. And it has to be approved uh, by the state.
0: I think you'd be the perfect person to do that, especially starting with, state, uh, with, the, Calif- with the state of California being it's the largest. Um, what would I mean, what would it take to put together I mean you've already done this for one uh yeah you know for it, one place. It, I mean it, what would it take to do it and duplicate that?
1: Yeah, um well it took it took a lot of work. Uh I'm not so sure I'm I'm ready to recreate that again. Uh but um uh it it uh I would love to talk to who is it that uh that you mentioned was doing that? Uh
0: that's my it's my stepmother Patty. Yeah, she's what, yeah what's she's her an, she used name? to be what's her she last to, name, Mursky. Same as mine. She married my dad. She uh she used to run the cardiac arrest floor at Virginia Mason in here in Seattle. Uh, she moved. She's lived in Orange County.
1: Okay. For a Very long time Orange now. Orange County, because I was but, working with a Patty. I was wondering. Um, hmm. Anyway, I'll think about that.
0: Well, if Patty was working with you, she would have told me about you a oh, long okay. time ago. All I can right. promise you that, yeah. <laughs> All
2: right.
0: You're a hard person to forget. Um, and anytime she gets a chance to talk about cannabis, she's always like, hey, oh, I met okay. someone. Same, same with my dad, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Well, awesome. so you've been an awesome guest, and uh, I can't thank you enough for the education that you've provided my guests as well as myself. I've learned a lot more from this conversation than I thought I would. So I, I really, really appreciate the, the wisdom and knowledge you've dropped. Um, where can people find you?
1: Um, uh, one, I would like for them to uh, follow me on Instagram, Mama Sue Wellness. And uh, also um, uh, buy my products because they work. Uh, you can get them at Pharmacy Berkeley, The Pottery in Los Angeles. Uh, Pharmacy Santa Barbara uh, and Blood & Broom in Orange County. And um, uh, you could also uh, reach me at um, uh, info at PharmacyBerkeley.com. And so, um, and visit us, visit us at Pharmacy Berkeley. It, uh, we're gonna be hopefully, uh, we should be opening for uh, back in store. Right now we're just doing curbside. Uh, but uh, they're moving toward uh, people coming to the store again. And that would be awesome because I, I would be there and uh, could greet some of you and even have meetings there. I haven't been there in a while um, uh, because of the pa- pandemic and there's no inside yep. uh, thing, but uh, it's, it's still moving right along. Um, now, actually,
0: before I let you go, and I know that you, you have a meeting you got to jump to in 15 minutes, but I've just got to hear your input as it relates to COVID, given you're so involved in the elderly community. Is there, uh, what, are you, what are you doing to help, uh, you know, remedy this, you know, pandemic?
1: You know, to be quite honest with you, is it's to stay sane myself, because it's been quite challenging. Um the isolation and every chance I get when i'm I'm talking, I reach out and uh when I have doing podcasts such as this one is they reach out to the elderly popula- uh, to the older population because we're affected by it the most um you know they say um they yeah. us they the first thing I haven't been uh w- working at pharmacy berkeley since since march uh they uh, seventeenth I think they sent me home. And uh that was one of the worst things they could have done. You know, I really had to do some soul searching and uh and, and my grandkids couldn't come visit. Oh, that was so hard, uh Jared. So reach out to uh to mm-hmm. your loved ones who are older and who are uh uh sheltering in place. A a phone call. Do do um uh FaceTime calls because that's better than a phone call. You get to see them uh and call call people yeah. uh, on a regular base, basis your grandma your aunties uh, uh your neighbors uh things of that nature because mm-hmm. it's been um mm-hmm. you know it's, it's almost like we've been targeted you know um it's just
0: yeah my uh my parents are in their 70s and my uh, my my uncle nick my mom's brother he just passed away uh last uh, about a week and a half ago because of covid oh So, rest in peace, Uncle Nick. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of why I asked, just because, you know, you're you're a voice for the community. And I don't know if, you know, all seniors realize how, um, you know, important their lives are. And you've certainly, you know, you've certainly shared with me how really important they are, you know, to us now and in the future. Yes. Um,
1: yeah. So yeah. I
0: really appreciate you, Sue, so yeah, much. Thank so you so much. much. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Well, this is Sue Taylor, uh, friends, uh, on another episode of Rebranding Cannabis. Till next time, take care. Stay high.